Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with the author of The Rock and Roll Through Life and Alzheimer's, a book about Freddie Moore by Renee Shire. She fell in love and married the rocker Freddie Moore. He was an incredible songwriter, lyricist, and musician profiled in the recently published memoir, It's Not a Rumor. This book is an unorthodox, hysterical story of survival and making it big in music and life without ever making a dime. It's also about getting diagnosed with one of the most frightening diseases known to humans. And he has been treating memory loss through writing, music, diet, exercise, natural supplements. And it's a book about how he found his greatest love in Renee. Enjoy this interview. Okay, so I think we're good. We've defeated RoboKiller. How are you today, Renee? <laughs> I'm okay. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. No, thank you so much for asking me to be on and stuff. I, I, I feel like I'm really trying to get my husband's story out there and it's important to me so thank you for asking me to even talk to you yeah you know i think you know i've been really kind of pigeonholed in the jazz world for a long long time and i branched out to this new community and um i'm so happy to do it there's so many wonderful stories and uh and and it's, it's wonderful to do so what i want to start off here with before we get into the story and the writing of the story in his life is I want to know what your role is in this story so that the audience has a proper context as we move forward. Well, my husband, Freddie Moore, is uh, hes a huge part of my life, and I think he's a force of nature. Um, and he was an incredible songwriter. So I'm, an inc- I'm a big fan. I'm a, I'm a musician, too, because of him. Um, and because he taught me how to play guitar and his whole songwriting process, and he's just amazing. So when he got Alzheimer's and he started forgetting things, I said it's really important to document his life to get to get these stories down before they disappear completely from his mind and from everybody's. You know, like I want to. Even though he didn't make it big, you know, famous or anything, I just wanted his stories to be preserved in this book. So I made it happen. Um, It was a lot of work. It was a lot of money. But I was determined to have his story recounted in this book. Because I think his music is important, too. I think his music, his story, and then just awareness of of everything and how the disease kind of ravages one's mind and especially someone with an incredible brain like that. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great story. So before we get into how the idea came about and the journey to actually getting this to be published, how does, how did COVID affect you? How did, how did COVID affect the the life that you live and, and the way you view the world now that we're coming out of it? Well, uh, one of the ways it affected me is, uh, had, well, I moved my husband into a memory care facility back at the end of 2019. And so when COVID hit, I couldn't see him for a long time. And, uh, I mean, like, they wouldn't let me because they had so many cases there. You know, the facilities are the worst hit. And so I wasn't able to see him for so long. And the book was getting, you know, the, the whole book process got, you know, delayed we didn't even get to launch the book until 2021 because nobody was working 
We weren't, we never got to have the signing. We never got to have, you know, any of it because of COVID. Talk to me a little bit about this journey. What gave you the idea? And I think there is a notion for people that don't write or publish that, you know, there's this timeline that probably isn't accurate because it takes quite a while. Talk to me a little bit about the beginning and how long it took for this to actually become a product. Okay, so he started when when he he retired early because his memory was kind of getting bad a little bit. It was the early stages. And he started writing his stories on Facebook, like just to his friends and, and, and people who used to be fans of his music. And so he would just write these stories. And every day somebody would say, God, I love these stories. This, this is a great story. I love this stuff. You know, how, what can we do? And I don't know if you know about the NAM show, but uh, the NAM show was going on at that time, which is a, it's a, it's like the computer electronics show for music. Okay. So yeah. we went to the NAM show. And we talked to this guy who publishes music, um, like uh, music books to write, to, uh, to like play music from, you know, like song books. And at the time he was like, he, was, he said, you know, I'm kind of branching out into writing a book about artists, like biographies. And he was working with Eric Burden from The Animals. And so he gave me the idea that we should write a book. And, I, you know, he didn't want to spend the time because we would have had to pull all the stories out of my husband. So I went to the L.A. Writers Group. I found we interviewed a bunch of co-writers, and they just came here. One of them that we really liked, Shannon, she came and she started writing all these stories. It took years. I mean, we're talking five, six, seven years to finally come to fruition. So talk to me about his music path. What would people know him for, and kind of what was his musical journey like? Well, he was, you know, highly influenced by the Beatles, and, you know, he just started writing songs. He, he took music lessons, and then he didn't like it. He just taught himself, so he self-taught. But when he was, like, 13 or 15 or whatever, he, he was in his, the basement of his parents' um, house, and he was just writing songs, like just, you know, working on shit and making it sound good. And um, some guy was walking by and was like, hey, you know, is that your song? And he said, yeah. And he said, do you want to be in my band? And my husband said, no, but you could be in mine. <laughs> so he was kind of confident in, in everything he did. And, and he started multiple bands. I mean, he went to the University of Minnesota was highly influenced by Frank Zappa, wrote a rock opera, you know. He was very, very, very successful in Minneapolis, which is where he's from, and had multiple albums, you know. It was really big time, and then he figured after a while, you know, the only way to make it is to go to L.A., so he came out to L.A. and had multiple bands here. Um, never got the fame. He He got to... He opened, they, the police opened for him, but he never got that record deal. You know, the motels opened for him. Oingo Boingo opened for them. So, the problem is my husband is very stubborn, and he wasn't going to give up the rights. And these, these record companies wanted 99% of everything, the producing, the publishing, the everything. They wanted all control. 
and he wouldn't do it. You know, it's interesting. I've watched a documentary on John Cougar Mellencamp, and I've never really been a massive fan of his, but I just, I don't know why I watched it. I just, I, I started watching it as I got pulled in. He did the same thing. He could have been, like, astronomical in his career. I mean, especially when Pink Houses and MTV was coming around. He had every wherewithal, and it was the same thing with him. He told these companies he wasn't going to do it, and he ended up doing things on his own, and it was a really hard path for him. But the idea of the documentary was that once he hit that this point of his life, he looks back and has no regrets because he didn't compromise on his business savvy. And I think that's the unfortunate part of the music industry is that it's, they're kind of like the government, you know, they take all your taxes. And exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's just, you're kind of left thinking, why the hell am I doing this? Right. If, if a bunch of greedy assholes are trying to get my riches for what you're doing, because they aren't doing anything. I mean, they're promoting, I get that, but they're not the one that is, is you know, the intellectual property and artistry that's going into it. Exactly. That's exactly this this case. And, you know, there's a bunch, even in the book, you know, we list all these contracts and all these things, deals he was offered and all this stuff. But, you know, it was basically, you know, you get maybe 10%. And we own your song. And he just wouldn't do it. I did notice that there was a video um, that Freddie put out and Demi Moore was in it. Can you talk to me about that association with Demi and, and Freddie? Demi, as she likes to be called. Oh, yeah, um, my bad. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I'm with you. Um, she was friends with my older sister. They actually went to high school together, um, Fairfax High School, and I went there too later because I'm younger than them. But anyway, so Demi and my sister were friends, and Demi uh, went to see this band, and she loved, she fell in love with Freddie at that moment. And so she said to my sister, you have to come and see the band. Uh, you have to see this band. It's unbelievable. I just, he's amazing. He's great. He's this. And she just, she set her eyes on him. And so... He was actually married at the time, and he, she was in a relationship, but she dumped her boyfriend, and he got divorced, and they got together. And then we all started to go see the band, and we were all, you know, in, in like, kind of groupies, but, you know, not me because I was kind of younger. But um, so we, we would all go see the band. We would all hang out together, and Dimmy and Freddie were, like, madly in love. And even though she states in her book that he was like a father figure to her, which was bullshit, they were disgusting how together they were. I mean, they called each other partner. It was gross. Um, but anyway, they decided to get married, and she was trying to become an actress, and she, they got married, and we were, I was in the wedding. We were, my sister and I were in the wedding. We were bridesmaids, and they you know, were married for two years after they had been together. I think in total they were together for five. And um, and then once she got General Hospital, she started making a lot of money, and she started realizing that Freddie was not going to get that big record deal, and he wasn't going to be the superstar that he, she had thought. And so she moved on. And... uh 
I remember the breakup and, and everything. I mean, she was doing Blame It on Rio, and he flew to Rio to try to convince her to work things out, and and she just said, no, I've already moved on. And, and it turns out she was already with Emilio Estevez by then anyway from uh, the other movie all about about last night or something. And so um, he was devastated. Freddie was devastated then. And um, she just was moving on to bigger and better things. Um, and then years later, you know, people would come up to him and say, are you Freddie Moore? And he'd say, no. <laughs> Because he was really shy and he, he wasn't into the whole scene that she was in. Even in the book, he talked about how when he went to parties with her, they went to a bunch of things and were mingling with all these stars and stuff. And in the beginning, when she was just starting, you know, out. Um, and he was just bored because he was really an intellectual and, and she just wanted to be a star. So she did. And, and that's that. What has been the reception to the book? I mean, what what kind of feedback have you gotten? How, how does it feel now that it's out and the world's reading it? I think it's great. I feel like we've gotten a lot of good feedback. It just hasn't gotten the press or the, you know, he's nobody to a lot of people. He's, he's somebody to about 6,000 people. And that's it. <laughs> So, you know, we, we haven't had a huge amount of sales or anything. or um, And I think the book would make a great movie, but, you know, I'm biased. But, um, and I'm not even, I'm not, I mean, I'm only in a tiny bit of it. But for me, it's his story that I think is so interesting. And I, I love his music. I mean, even if you're not a fan of his genre of music, he, he has such diverse music. There's so many songs. And so one of the things I had an idea for is when I was saying I wanted to write the book, I said I want each of the songs, each of the chapters to be a name of the song. Because every song he ever wrote is a story about his life. Something happened to him. And that's and he poured it out, that emotion. He was very, you know, shy and quiet. But in his songs, that came out, you know. And so... Every name, every chapter is a name of one of his songs, and then the lyrics are at the end, you know, of each chapter. You know, there's a movie that came out that was called Searching for Sugar Man. Did yes, you ever, I remember did, that. Uh huh. That that kind of when you said movie, it's like it's kind of like that. Like I ended up, I remember I got that uh, album by Sixto Rodriguez on vinyl, and I've I've listened to him quite a bit, and he was one of those guys that just dipped under the radar, and I remember in the movie they were talking about, you know, Dylan and these other cultural icons were around at the time and kind of squeezed everybody else out of the room. Uh -huh. So my question to you is, if anybody that's listening to this right now, the book's one component, but if anybody wanted to get their hands on his music, and we are in this horn of plenty of digital streaming platforms and other, other ways, how can they listen to his music right now? Well, he has a music publishing website, and it's actually – the problem with that is it's a little outdated, but it's called Demophonic.com. And if you go to Demophonic.com, D-E-M-O-P-H-O-N-I-C.com, it's his entire music catalog. And you don't have to download it. You don't have to stream it. There's a lot of things that I have 
set up where you can actually listen to it. I, it's Unfortunately, it's in a form of media that nobody uses anymore called ASX. So you might have to play it on Windows Media Player. But um, you can play any one of his hundreds and hundreds of songs from Demophonic. All you have to do is go to Song Catalog, and then at the top you click Alphabetical List, and it'll list everything he's ever written. So let's say we talk in like five years from now. What yeah. do you hope happens with this book and, and things in your life, especially with COVID opening up, new things happening? What are you hoping for? I'm hoping for his legacy to be preserved because he's really declined a lot with the Alzheimer's. And I just want people to know about this music. It, this music makes me so happy. His story, his his mind, you know, I just want an awareness to happen. I want his legacy to be preserved. And I just, that's really my main goal. I mean, I, I just wish everybody could see what I could see. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being super, <laughs> you know, um, biased. But I just think it's great. I mean, I could even play, I could play either on guitar or I could play It's Not a Rumor for You right now if you want to hear it. Sure. Do you want to hear the song? Absolutely. Okay, cool. I'm going to play it again. Cool.
What did you think? That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for playing it. Yeah, that's that's great. So sure. I'm curious at this point, where can people pick up either his book, learn more about him, what you're doing? Where's the best place to go on the web? Okay, so we have a website called itsnotarumor.com. And rumor is spelled R-U-M-O-U-R, the British way, because he was very poetic in his writing. So it's, it's notarumor.com. And there's music there. There's my blog. There's, which is his whole story. I've documented this whole journey of him getting the diagnosis and us writing the book and us working on everything. So my blog is there. And then there's other resources. You know, there's a link to his music at demophonic.com. He's also got, he, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, you know, with his couple of little EPs that we were able to put out um, throughout the years. And um, and everything should be there. You can get the book on Amazon um, for just looking for it's not a rumor.com, or you can get it through the publisher, which is Rare Bird Books. And I think it's under rarebirdlit.com, and, and you can find his book there. And the lucky thing for me is the person who published it, I tried to get the book published, self-published, and there was just too many problems because there's a lot of famous people that he met along the way, and we had to get everybody's permission. And they, you know, some of the people we got permission, other, people's we, other people we didn't, so it was just too difficult to self-publish. But the great thing is, is um, Rare Bird Books is a, run by a guy named Tyson Cornell, and he was a fan of my husband's and, and the new cast and the cast, which were his bands in L.A. And so he, he's got a publishing, you know, publisher, and he wanted to publish it. Cool. That's wonderful. It's serendipitous. Renee, it thank is. you for opening up. Yeah, thank, thank you for opening up. Um, I look forward to getting this out to the audience, and, and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me, and I, I look forward to everything we hear from you, too. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Yeah.